What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Midweek Show. Zach Zook with you. I am your host, one of the panel members for the BOTB Football Show live at Cafe T on Sunday mornings before NFL noon kickoff. This is our Midweek Show where we discuss... You know, some of the storylines, the results from the past week of games. Uh, You'll hear from all of the panelists. They're going to chime in as we do Thursday night picks on this show as well. But here's some of the things I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Philly's loss to Detroit. Cost me some money. And I wanted to talk about their season outlook because they've been hit with the injury bug again for the second straight year. And after the Super Bowl, you know, it's, it's fair to wonder about the longevity, I think. In Philly, it also ties into the Thursday night game because they got to turn around on a short week and had two Lambo to to play my three and O undefeated Green Bay Packers. So uh, I thought it would be good to talk about Philly as an organization today. Then I, we did the two and O teams contenders versus pretenders last week. I want to kind of review the three and O teams again this week because there's still some interesting stories there, and not all of them are created equal. Then I thought it would be fun to do it with the 0-3 teams as well, because as you remember last season, the Houston Texans went 0-3, won their division in the AFC South, and the uh, Colts started 1-5 and and still were able to make the playoffs. Then lastly, I wanted to get into the Eli Hall of Fame debate. Uh, We talked about it for a brief moment uh, during the Sunday morning show, but I did the deep dive on the numbers. I have my opinion on it and my take, and I'm sticking to it. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about it because it's certainly going to become a more prevalent topic of conversation as his career winds down in New York. So before we get into the podcast, let's have a word from our sponsors, Cafe Telegraph, uh, the, the sponsor of our live show on Sunday mornings. They have been so gracious to us, helping us out and, uh, and, and, and hosting us for the Sunday morning live shows. Not to mention, it's a great place to watch the games at after we're done. And uh, it's it just fantastic food, cold beer. You couldn't ask for anything better. Tons of TVs, tons of space. It, it really is a fantastic restaurant. Highly recommend it. Uh, and, and come check us out on Sunday morning for the live show. Uh, we also have K. Roberts with Remax Gold. Fantastic real estate agent in the St. Louis area. Uh, she, if you have, if you have real estate needs, contact Kay Roberts with Remax Gold. Just excellent at what she does. We also have St. Louis Distillery, uh, STL Distillery. Man, uh, they're they're doing some different shit over there, and, and I like it. They have a vodka that is brewed from craft beer or distilled. I, I guess yeah, St. Louis Distillery. It's distilled from craft beer. And that's gonna be my talking point on them every week because it just kind of kind of blows my mind. I really need to get down there and try it, and you should too. Uh, lastly, we have fi- Family Finance Mortgage, uh, fantastic mortgage dealer in our area. So now that we've heard from the sponsors, let's get into the midweek podcasts. All right, first up, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles sustained. Their first loss of no second loss of the season. They are now one and two after losing on Sunday Night Football to the Falcons. They turn around and lay an egg against the Detroit Lions at home in a noon game at Lincoln Financial Field. It was not pretty. They lost me some money in the process, and you know I just had some takeaways from that game. And first off, it's the injuries, and. I think that 
it's an easy excuse to point to injuries and say, well, they're just so beat up. Well, they're just so beat up, that's why they lost the game. If you think about the impact players on Philadelphia's offense, who the schemes are run through offensively and defensively, I really don't think there was any excuse, even though they sort of had one hand tied their back, behind their back, to lose that game to the Detroit Lions at home. You look at the Week 3 injuries. Now, I will say this. The list is it's pretty impressive. Corey Clement did not play. Dallas Goddard tried to play. Might as well not have. Had that huge drop in the end zone. Deshaun Jackson did not play. Tim Jernigan, defensive tackle, did not play. Uh, one of their tackles did not play. Alshon Jeffrey did not play. Uh... They, they had a ton of injuries. Camille Grugier-Hill, he did not play. One of their linebackers. But you look at the injury report this week, they're starting to get healthy, and I'll save some of that for the picks. It, it seems as though it was limited, but here's where I think the injury cop-out for as to why they lost that game and why they've started 1-2 and two is really kind of bullshit because... Most of the offensive line is healthy. They have most of their guys. They have Kelsey. They have Peters. I think uh, their first-round pick, Andre Dillard, was on the injury report, but I thought, if I'm not mistaken, he played on on Sunday. And we kept hearing about the wide receiver core. Well, it's tough when you get multiple guys go down at the position. And I totally agree. But in this case... They should not have really missed that much of a beat because, sure, you lose uh, Alshon Jeffrey and you lose Deshaun Jackson, so your over-the-top threat is gone, but you still have uh, Nelson Aguilar. You have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who I believe they drafted, what, second, third round? I mean, they drafted him fairly high, have a lot of confidence in him, and he was one of the guys, I mean, most of the media was super high on him coming out. And then you have Matt Collins, who has been on the team for a while. So it's not as though you were trotting out a bunch of fifth-round picks and undrafted rookie free agents, and with the offense in Philly, it's a lot of RPOs anyways, and it's Carson Wentz off schedule making plays with his feet the play after the play once the pocket collapses and the and the coverage breaks down that's where a lot of their big plays happen and they still had Zach Ertz who is really let's face it I mean we all I love Alshon Jeffrey as much as the next guy but Bears Alshon Jeffrey and Eagles Alshon Jeffrey is not the same dude Zach Ertz is the best pass catching guy on that team uh, you know, I just don't think there was really any excuse for them to lose that game. And everybody looks at the box score, and then it's easy. It's just a lazy-ass take to point to the injuries. And when you think about it, Carson Wentz has the ball with three minutes to go, timeouts in his pocket for a chance to drive them down the field and win the game. They go four and out. Game over, right? Well, the defense ballsed up and got a stop. They got the ball back, I think, with a minute 45, minute and a half, and they still had a timeout in their pocket. And what do they do? They get the blocked field goal. They end up at midfield with a chance to, at the very least, send that puppy to overtime. If it wasn't for a penalty on the return, they would have already been in field goal range. They did not get the ball off the 50. They went four and out again. 
And that is unacceptable for these guys that, I mean, just, I some of the people I hear in the media just blow. Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz and Howie Roseman and that staff. Oh, they're so great. Oh, they're so great. They're so far ahead of everybody else. They go for it. They're aggressive. And you know, for the most part, I really do agree. I think they're high-level guys, and one game doesn't change that. But I was pretty disappointed in that showing. Their season outlook, I think, I don't think it's bleak, but I really don't think they're even on the same level as the Dallas Cowboys, who, yes, they have had a weak schedule for their 3-0. I believe they faced the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. So, I mean, to an extent, we really have no idea what the Cowboys are going to be. I mean, Dak Prescott has been lighting up these defenses. We, We... and I know everybody is throwing him a parade, and he's about to get get rich. But seriously, I mean, let's look at the—they played maybe the three worst teams in the NFL. So we really don't have an idea what they're going to be. But at least they look—the eye test—they look like they're on a different league than the Philadelphia Eagles. It just doesn't feel like ever since the Super Bowl year. Now, I know they were just riddled, riddled with injuries. I actually do buy the injury excuse last year, and I was so impressed that they were able to make the playoffs. It really, I mean, I had a ton of respect for Wentz and for Foles and for Doug Peterson that they were able to weather that storm, ultimately still be competitive enough to get to the postseason and then win a game on the road at Soldier Field. That really impressed me. And that's that. I didn't see that Eagles team on Sunday, and I didn't see that Eagles team on the road against the Falcons, who just look like dog shit uh, through the first three weeks of the season. And and I know it's a long season, and I'm sure they'll get it figured out. But I I just I picked them to win the wild card, and I feel pretty good about that prediction not being division champs because man the cow when you watch the Cowboys play and then you turn on the Eagles it just doesn't feel like anything's very easy for them right now it feels like they have to work so hard to push the ball down the field and then on the defensive side they're they are not even close to what they were the year they won the Super Bowl it's average to below so I mean they're gonna have to get it figured out back to the drawing board for them and, and it doesn't get any easier because they go on the road to Lambeau. They'll face a good Packers defense on Thursday night. And I'll get you give you that pick on that later. But uh, potentially one in three the Eagles could be starting out if they don't get a road win in Lambeau. Crazy. Let's get into some of this 3-0 and 0-3 debate here. We'll review these 3-0 teams first. Starting with the AFC, you have the New England Patriots, who while I think are a very good football team, I don't think they're quite as dominant as they have showed through the first three weeks of the season. I think schedule has dictated a lot of that. I'm actually so excited to watch that Bills game. It hasn't been the the Patriots September that they typically have. They have pretty much steamrolled all of their competition in the month of September. Will they drop that September game when they face a road team 3-0 and Buffalo Bills for the stranglehold in the division? I mean, no way Bill and the guys overlook that game or take it as uh, insignificant at all. Can't wait to watch it. I, I do think they're going to roll to like 12-4. and I said that last week, I think. Is there any more of a lock like 12-4 and team? playing in a division with the Dolphins and the Jets. But this game is huge. I think this game will tell us a lot about uh, about this Patriots team because they are not star-laden. It's a classic 
Bel- Belichick team. You know, they got they have their their usual crop of guys on offense and defense that are just solid, no superstars except for Tom, and they don't even have Gronk anymore. So it, it really is just going to be some old school X's and O's football from this Pats team all season long, unless they make a crazy signing like they did Antonio Brown after uh, uh, week one of the season. You go right down the list. You don't even have to leave the division. Let's talk about the Bills, 3-0. and I said that they were ultimately pretenders last week in the sense that I don't think they can contend for a Super Bowl, but I did mention that I thought that they could compete for a playoff spot, and that is seeming all the more likely. Really solid win last weekend because... You know, I'm just not at that confidence level when you look at the game with the Bills and then when you watch them. I'm not quite there yet with them. That's why I'm really excited to see how they look against the Patriots. And for somebody that was so down on Josh Allen coming out, I I clobbered him coming out. I would not have drafted him if I had 32 draft picks in the first round. I would not have done it. He was so inaccurate in college in a conference to a non-Power 5 in the Mountain West where the windows are not going to be any bigger than they were there. You make the jump to the NFL, your completion percentage is so down. I think arm strength is probably the most overrated QB trait of them all. Still important, but of the QB traits, I'd say the least important. You watch these guys that are approaching 40 now. Do they have great arm strength? No, they get the job done just fine. It's about accuracy, and Allen did not have that at all coming out of college. But for somebody that didn't like him coming out, Boy, do I root for him every Sunday. He's just such a likable dude. I He's so fun to watch play, man. And he has rejuvenated that fan base. Bill's Mafia, man. I tell, I tell you what, if I was like an NFL free agent fan looking for a team to root for, you couldn't go wrong picking the Buffalo Bills. Really excited to watch them this Sunday. They're 3-0. and This is a huge test for them. I think it, even if they lose, if it's a really good game and it comes down to, you know, the last possession, I think that's enough for me to say, Bills are legit, man. They're looking at a wild card. I, I think this week tells us a lot with them. And then we head down, no 3-0 and in the AFC North, no 3-0 and in the AFC South. You got the Chiefs in the AFC West. They're the only 3-0 and team in that division, and obviously they're for real. Uh, the Patriots and the Chiefs are on another crash collision course for the AFC championship honestly would be shocked if it was any other team at that point I know people were high on the Ravens but you saw on Sunday not in the same league I I worked that game for pro football focus on Sunday night and let me tell you in terms of the Lamar Jackson stuff I think it's been overblown a little bit when I watched, sat down and actually watched the tape, like the amount of times they just ran four verticals and he just ran around in circles in the backfield and just kind of chucked it up to somebody, like not a sustainable way to win. I said that last week when he had the 16 rushing attempts in week two. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm in a, as with the Bills, I'm really hesitant to buy into the Ravens. Now, because of their culture and the success that they've had in the past, it's, I think it's a little easier to buy into the Ravens than so the Bills, especially considering the Ravens are reigning division champs. But, uh, yeah, not sustainable, and, and I think it just proved how much better the Chiefs are than everybody else. You head to the NFC. Dallas Cowboys are the only 3-0 team in that division. My Super Bowl preseason pick was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys. 
Uh, I, I'm feeling good about that. Now, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I think that you certainly have to have some reservations with Dallas yet because what have you really seen? What have you really been able to deduce from the first three games of their season? I really could, couldn't give a shit less that Dak Prescott threw for four touchdowns against, you know, the Giants, Redskins, and the Miami Dolphins, who actually gave them a fight on the road in Jerry World for the first half, three quarters of that game. Uh, but ultimately, the Cowboys have the pieces that I think can take you through a 16-game schedule, and I like their pieces once you get into the postseason. I really like the construction of the team. You can make an argument that Jerry and Steven Jones have done a better job at drafting and acquiring talent over the past, what, five, six years than any other team in football. You look out at the field at how many stars they have and how they acquired these guys. It's been truly remarkable, the roster construction in Dallas. They're absolutely for real. Front runners in the division, uh, a bunch of crap with the Giants and the Redskins. It's really a two-horse race, and they got a big leg up on the Eagles who have stumbled out of the gate here. You go up to the NFC North, you have my 3-0 Green Bay Packers. The defense, again, proved that it is legit. Uh, but here's one thing I've noticed with the Packers defense, and similar to the Cowboys, I still do have my reservations. This will be a huge test for this defense on Thursday night when they face Carson Wentz, the best quarterback by a country mile that they have faced this season. They had Trubisky in week one, they had Kirk Cousins in week two, and Joe Flacco in week three. Those guys ain't exactly setting the world on fire. So now they're going to face a young franchise QB that has proven that he can win in this league, and and we're going to see. I anticipate them to give up some points, but uh, I, I, I hope, I mean, if they're really as legit as they've looked the first three weeks, they still should be able to... Uh, really compress this offense and, and, and keep them down. I think the Green Bay Packers, who are already 2-0 and in the division with wins over the Vikings and Bears, the primary contenders there, are are legit. Uh, would be surprised to see them miss the playoffs. I know that sounds just, that sounds kind of an absolutely insane through the first three weeks, but this first five, six weeks was the toughest part of Green Bay's schedule. They opened up with the Bears Thursday night on the road to kick off the NFL's 100th season. Then they trotted home to face the Vikings, who Zimmer always dials it up against Rodgers in the offense. And then you face a Broncos defense in week three. Well, let's call that what it is. That was a game they should win. But then you face the Lions, or the, uh, sorry, all over the place. Uh, you, you face the Eagles on a short week in primetime again. They got the Cowboys coming up. It's not easy. And for them to be 3-0 undefeated over the course of the stretch and, and considered favorites, they should win this game at home on Thursday night. It, it, it's huge for them. So I absolutely think they're contenders. And I, I would anticipate them to, to reclaim uh, that NFC North as their division. You head on down to the NFC West. NFC South does not have a 3-0 team. You have the Rams. You have the 49ers and the Seahawks. Boy, do they step on their dicks on Sunday, boys, at home against the Teddy Bridgewater-led Saints. Yikes. But the Rams, impressive win against the Browns, who uh, I think were severely overrated coming into the season. I didn't really buy the hype. I had them as a wild card team, and I'm starting to think I was even still too high on them. I think because of the talent, if they get it figured out, they should probably win 9, 10 games, uh, especially with some of the opponents they're going to play in the division. Uh, you know, uh, 
they should be able to get it figured out. But still a solid win for McVay's Rams, who, while they're 3-0, and it's been a fairly unimpressive 3-0 and just because of how they've done it. They haven't really looked like the Rams of last year that went to the Super Bowl and were lighting the league on fire. I think the defenses have sort of adjusted to the Rams that really, let's be honest, that offense hasn't really looked right since Gurley had the injury, and he doesn't look the same. It, their offense, this school of coaches, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, and now you see the new crop of guys under them getting hired, like Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, it's zone running. And if you cannot run the football, if that is completely ineffective for you, and you don't have an elite passer, you're not going to be able to overcome it. And Jared Goff, I, I don't think, is that guy. He's very much like Matt Ryan. He has his limitations, but he also has out-of-this-world arm talent if you get him into good spots. And McVay, being one of the best coaches in the NFL, is pretty much always able to get him into favorable positions for him to succeed. Well, they haven't been quite as good because of the Todd Gurley injury and because of the, they say they're not load managing him, but they probably are. But but what's been impressive to me is they've been able to, again, overcome. They have had some adversity here and they've been able to still uh, get get over the hump and win those games. They're at 3-0. and But the 49ers, man, 3-0 and as well. Surprise team. Uh you know, they've kind of had the hype train roll in the last two years. Jimmy G tears the ACL. Was that week one, week two? So not really fair of us to say that they blew the hype because obviously then with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, they didn't really stand a chance. But I was hesitant to really buy into the 49ers out in the Bay this year. But but they have some talent, man, and they're 3-0. I think, again... Uh, part of it has to do with schedule. They really haven't played anybody of note. They played the Steelers at home with a backup quarterback. They played the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 2 and the Bucks in Week 1. So I, ultimately, I still do think they're kind of pretenders. I'd be really shocked to see them in the playoffs. I'll say that. And I know they started 3-0, and so they're, that sounds insane to say about a 3-0 and team. But... I, I'm I'm not buying it yet. They have not beaten anybody. They have not played a single division game. So I ultimately, even though the Seahawks just looked so bad, so bad on Sunday. I mean, Jesus, that was painful to watch. I still ultimately have more faith in Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, and the culture of that franchise than I do in Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G in the Bay right now. A lot of respect for them. I think that they're good, but let's call it what it is. They really haven't proven jack shit. Let's go back over to the AFC now. Time to do the 0-3 teams. We'll kind of jump through this. We've spent 12 minutes on this segment already. The 0-3 Dolphins, dumpster fire. Literally not going to even spend any more time talking about them. Jets, basically a blown year unless unless Darnold comes back. Those two are pretty easy. Absolute dumpster fires that have not the greatest ownership. The Dolphins, I, I don't know anything about their ownership but they haven't been contenders in a really long time, so I guess it's fair to question it. Uh, 0-3 teams in the AFC North. You got two of them. I mean, I mean, the AFC is so top-heavy. Absolutely nine wins gets you in the playoffs in the AFC. And it's it's crazy how much better the NFC is than the AFC. And what's crazy, too, is the, the top two teams in the NFL still are in the AFC. 
although the NFC is much more competitive top to bottom, especially in the division. So you got two more in the North, the Bengals and the Steelers. You know, I ultimately think that both of these teams are going to miss the playoffs. Bengals especially, they, boy, they just suck again. And Zach Taylor, kind of feel bad for him. feel like he's not really getting much of a chance uh, to succeed with kind of the, the hand he's been dealt up there. Uh, but the Steelers kind of catch a tough break. They were my division winners preseason, and they, they've they struggled, man. Uh, let's call it what it is. They got their ass kicked on Sunday night in week one, then Big Ben tears the, a- the UCL in week two on that pass attempt, and they end up dropping the game to the Seahawks at home. Uh, Mason Rudolph starts in week three, and the 49ers... Uh, it never really felt like they were going to lose that game. So can they bounce back from that? They've traded a couple of draft picks, caught some heat for it, uh, traded away their first for Minka, traded away their fifth for Nick Vanette. I I actually do think Mason Rudolph's okay. I think it may take some time, but I really like the fact that James Washington and Mason Rudolph, futures of the franchises, played together at Oklahoma State, and not only played together, like, put up historic numbers together. I mean, if you don't watch college football, these guys were kicking ass and taking names uh, under Mike Gundy there. It was really impressive to watch. And I was a fan of Mason Rudolph coming out. Uh, I I thought that was a good pick by the Steelers. So we'll see. I don't think you can put the loss on Mason. I don't know if he has shown that he's been as good as some of these other backups that have come in. But he's still young, pretty green. We'll see. But again, I, I don't think that the Steelers will be able to come back and win the division. It's hard to see them going on a run of five or six in a row uh, with their current personnel situation. So you got the Broncos in the AFC West. Again, another dumpster fire, man. I, I think it's fair at this point to really, really question Elway as a GM. Uh they hired another defensive head coach after Vance Joseph. It's like, dude, the formula here, you need to draft a QB and then give him some help. Hire a Matt Nagy. You need to f- figure it out and evolve here. I know you have a good defense in Denver, and that's great. And they've been built off defense in the past, but it doesn't really matter much if you can't score. Also, their defense hasn't been very good. You know, they're the only team in the last 50 years to go the first three games of the season without a turnover or a sack forced? That's unbelievable when you have Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller coming off the edge. And you also have Derek Wolf on the defensive line, Chris Harris Jr. in the secondary, as well as uh, Justin Simmons. I mean, Jesus Christ, Denver, figure it out. They've been just abysmal. And they did run the the ball down the Packers' throat a little bit. That's kind of been their calling card, but it just it's not good enough to get it done. You can you can run it all you want, but the fact remains when Joe Flacco has to drop back, nobody's scared and they don't really have any weapons outside of Emmanuel Sanders for him to throw to. Actually, I like Cortland Sutton a lot, and Deshaun Hamilton isn't bad, so that's probably not fair of me to say. But they don't have a guy that can get him the ball. And and Drew Locke, unfortunately, is hurt. Would have been really fun to see him come in. He's a Mizzou guy. I'm a Mizzou guy. Rooting for him to succeed in the league. But, yeah, I I really love the culture in Denver, but they got to get it right, man. Man, how the mighty have fallen when you look at that team that shut down Cam, the 15-1 Panthers, and won that Super Bowl. They, They couldn't be any further from that right about now. 
You go to the NFC, 0-3 teams. There's not a ton. There's not a ton. There's one, actually. The Redskins. And then you have the 0-2-1 Cardinals. So... The Redskins, clearly a dumpster fire. You saw it again on primetime. It's kind of an embarrassment. And I really feel for Redskins fans. It's got to be the worst fan fan experience of, is it fair to say, the major four American sports being a Redskins fan? Because you know, no matter who they hire as head coach, no matter who they pick, no matter who's on the team, they're going to fucking fail. Because Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder who are running the show, and they're absolute fucking nutjobs. They're terrible at what they do. Dan Snyder is one of the worst owners in American sports. And Bruce Allen, the GM, sit was he was sitting in the coaching box during that game. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if your boss, let's say you work at a call center. Can you imagine your boss sitting right there next to you while you make the calls? Or can you imagine if you're a salesperson, when you go into a pitch meeting, can you imagine your boss sitting right there? watching you do it, I mean, they're they're an abysmal franchise, I don't know how you force an owner to sell a team, or maybe they can get some dirt on him, and and force him to sell that way, but as long as Dan Snyder owns the Redskins, they're, they're gonna be this bad, it, that's, it really is a shame. Real quick here on this Eli debate, then we'll get into the picks. Eli Manning, is he a Hall of Famer or is he not? I said on the Sunday show, I don't think he is. Let me be clear about my take from the start. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I wouldn't vote him in. Um, Not because I'm a mean guy or because I hate Eli. I actually like him a lot. But I don't think he had a Hall of Fame career. And despite the two Super Bowl performances, I don't think... His career was good enough to warrant the Hall of Fame, a gold jacket, uh, uh, and, and a place in Canton. Now, can you st- can you tell the story of the NFL without the Mannings and without Eli Manning and his two Super Bowls and the Tyree catch? No, you can't. That's absolutely a part of the story of the NFL. But I've never been a person, that's not what the Hall of Fame is really about to me. And I understand that the history of the league, the, the really the one giant Super Bowl, it's about the Tyree catch. It really had nothing to do with with Eli. <laughs> he, in fact, got incredibly lucky to win that. I mean, let's call it what it is. So here's some stats. I did a deep dive into the numbers, and I had a feeling the numbers were going to be on my side anyways. But I went ahead and I, and I charted some stuff. So here's some stats. Eli Manning led the or was top three in the NFL, in touchdown passes, just once. Once. He led the league in interceptions three seasons. Every single season he has been a starter in the NFL for a full season, he has thrown double-digit interceptions. Double digits. The only year he did not was his rookie year in which he passed for 1,000 yards and did not start the whole season. In addition to that... You have the two Super Bowl years. Historic, incredible runs. Nick Foles-esque, right? Yeah, I mean, you could say Nick Foles has gone on a couple runs similar to that. Of course, they didn't win a second Super Bowl with Philly last year, but the way he came back and willed them to the postseason and then willed them to victory over the Chicago Bears in the uh, in the divisional round certainly 
pretty impressive. Or I believe that was the wild card round, not the divisional round. Excuse me. Certainly impressive, the, 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 the runs Eli went on in those postseasons. However, in 13 out of his 15 seasons in the NFL, Eli Manning did not have a single playoff win. They did not win a single playoff game barring those two Super Bowl runs. So they made hay when they were good and they did go on runs. They made hay and they won. And they beat Belichick and Brady at the height of that era. I think that's his, his strongest argument. But when you look at the history of Eli Manning's career, I don't think you ever considered him to be a top five quarterback. You never considered him to be in the same class as his brother Peyton. And he just, he got the job done. And there was something unique and cool about the way he just kind of showed up to work. He was a lunch pail guy. Like showed up and did his job. Didn't, wasn't doing anything flashy. And that I do admire about him. And the way he's handled... You know, his his fall from grace in New York with the whole benching saga last year, and even before that, when we found out some warts were uncovered in that New York franchise with the Maras and the coaching situation, and now this year being benched again for Daniel Jones, he's handled it with such class and grace, and you love him as a guy, but when you look at him as a quarterback and as a player, I think it's really not even a debate. He did not have a Hall of Fame career. And when you look at the Super Bowl teams, I don't think he was the reason that those teams won the Super Bowl. They had a fantastic running game on both of those teams, and they had an absolutely elite defense. You're talking Michael Strahan. You're talking O.C. Umanura. You're talking guys that were absolute 100% ass-kickers. Remember Brandon Jacobs and uh, Bradshaw in the back of that backfield for New York? Those guys took names, man. Brandon Jacobs was a fun watch back in his prime with the Giants. but uh, And he had, to, he had great weapons, too, on those Super Bowl teams. But, you know, at the end of the day, great guy and good quarterback. Good quarterback. Don't ever let anybody tell you that because he has a 500 record as a starter that he was a meh guy. He was a good quarterback. And first of all, wins are not a QB stat. Not a QB stat. There's 53 guys on the roster. You cannot place wins and losses on the quarterback. That's absolutely fucking ridiculous. So that argument against him, totally throw it out the window. He's, he was a good quarterback and had a good career, just not a Hall of Fame career in my opinion. All right, the panel is chomping at the bit. I have the recordings. I know the picks. Now I will let you hear them. Uh, Thursday Night Football, you got the Philadelphia Eagles heading on the road to take on the Green Bay Packers, who will be playing their second Thursday night game in three weeks. They were on the kickoff game for the NFL kickoff for the 100th season at Soldier Field. Now they have a home Thursday night game here in week three. You know, kind of glad if you got to play on Thursday Night Football twice, let's get it out of the way, man. Get it out of the way in September. We don't want to have to have this short week in November, December. As a Packers fan, that's not that's probably not the best for them. So knock it out. And uh, I, w- I got to wondering, because obviously there's 32 NFL teams. Everybody plays on Thursday Night Football once, right? But when I, because I was like, what the hell? Why did the Packers play a second Thursday Night game and a second Thursday Night game in a month 
and what the smartest thing would have been to just have him on Thursday Night Football two weeks in a row because then they would have got the full week. I guess that's kind of unfair. You can't really cater to them. Plus, TNF probably doesn't want the same team on twice in a row. But, be, and I figured out why. Typically, you would have the Super Bowl winner face their week one opponent for the NFL kickoff on Thursday night, that first game you see before the week one Sunday games. And then that starts the Thursday night schedule after that, week two. Because with the bye weeks, what I failed to realize initially when I was questioning why they had two games, there's a week 17. So you need 34 teams to play on Thursday night football. So basically the Super Bowl champ gets shafted and has to play on it twice. And then whoever their week one opponent is gets shafted and has to play on it twice. And the only reason they didn't do it this year was because it was the NFL's 100th season. Packers' 101st season, by the way. The Acme Packers were around before the NFL. Fun little fact there. And it was the NFL's oldest rivalry with the Bears and the Packers, so they had that on TNF, which was a great marketing move. But but yeah, so that's why they play two games. Uh, TJ, Nick, and Big Web, they have their picks loaded up. I'll give you my pick after theirs. Let's hear what they got to say. All right, guys, what's up? Thursday night football pick. We are here at Defiance Winery. Is that what it's called? Yep, Defiance Ridge. With my lovely wife, Laura. Laura, uh, glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Zook, uh, today, this is a big pick for me, okay? Got a, a glass of wine, a few glasses of wine in so a far. A few bottles in. Um, but I got to be here. I got to get the content. So, Thursday night football, you got the Packers According to Odd Shark, they're minus five right now against the Eagles on Thursday. Uh, Big Daddy TJ is coming back three and zero so far on Thursday nights. Not messing around here. Also three and zero in locks, by the way, for anybody watching the BOTB football show. Um, Laura, let's get to your pick first before I give my astounding pick because I just can't miss on Thursday nights. I'm just the, I'm a genius. At Jacksonville last week, Gardner Minshew did everything I knew he would do. Just a great quarterback, fantastic mustache. Nick calls him the mustache magician. Um, so obviously, great pick by me. I'm three and zero. We'll get to the the expert pick here in a second. Uh, but Laura now has a chance. Her first pick for Thursday night football. Laura, the Green Bay Packers minus five against the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost to my Detroit Lions last week. What do you got for Thursday Night Football? What do you think? I'm going to have to go with the Cheeseheads. I think they're going to win by a touchdown. So that would cover the five, minus five spread. Um, and the Eagles have been sucking lately. I know uh, there's someone apparently dropping lots of balls. So, <laughs> nice. so go Aaron Rodgers and go Packers. Quick fun fact, Laura thought that Aaron Rodgers' name used to be Aaron Sanders. So, um, But no, that was a good breakdown. That's actually very sexy, the fact that she could break down football like that. Um, yeah, the situation, you're in Green Bay. I'm shocked it's only minus five. It's actually minus four on our CBS pick Um Eagles are wanting to come back. Unfortunately, they ran into the buzzsaw that is the Detroit Lions last week. Just an unbelievable undefeated team at 2-0-1. Uh, I think Green Bay's too strong. I think they'll win by a touchdown at least, even if Philly's pumped up for this one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to go 4-0 on, on Thursday night football, you stay with Big TJ, you stay with the King, you stay with where the crown's at, and it's uh, it's Green Bay minus 5. So there you go. Laura and TJ's picks. Back to you, Zook. Mr. Zuck, Big Web here, buddy. Hey, uh, Wednesday night on the way home from work, just want to talk a little bit of 
Thursday night football with you real quick. Looks like this one's going to be a interesting contest. It'd be different, I think, if Philly was more healthy. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Green Bay's defense is going to keep working like it has been, and, uh, and Philly's going to continue to struggle against the pass rush until uh, they get their line healthy, until they get their receivers healthy. I think it's going to be a lot more of the same that you've seen out of the Eagles. It's not, not going to take long, but they need a couple weeks. they definitely got to get Jackson back. So uh, tonight I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Minus the four and a half, and uh, what that over-under is tough. It's 46, but but uh, I'm going to go with the under there. I think I'm dealing with possibly a low-scoring contest with uh, with the Green Bay Packers, your Green Bay Packers uh, covered spread. So have a good night, buddy. Appreciate your efforts. Talk to you soon. What is up, gentlemen? It is your reigning king, Nick Yale, here for another week of NFL picks and analysis. Looked like Big Web moved to 4-3 and three in uh, week three and will be joining me at the top, so congrats to you, Big Web. Excited to have you up there and share a piece of the pie with your continue, uh, continuous king here through three weeks of football. A couple waiver wire pickups before we get into the Thursday night matchup. Between the Eagles and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, first off, we're going to stick it, keep it in Green Bay, and uh, check out Marquez Valdez-Scantling of the Green Bay Packers, wide receiver, who is going to be an interesting pickup. He had a, a, a pretty good week, and I just had him on my team in our BOTB league last week. Had 99 yards and a touchdown on six receptions for 21.9 points. He struggled for the first two weeks, only getting a, a combined seven receptions in those two weeks and no touchdowns. But moving forward, Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay offense, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, uh, Green Bay is going to move the ball. So look for Valdez-Scantling to continue to get some targets, uh, even though Devontae Adams is their number one target. Valdez-Scantling looks like to be their clear number two. As far as the other waiver wire pickup, another wide receiver in Sterling Shepard of the New York Giants. Ever since the QB change from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones happened, uh, he, he responded. Shepard, who only had a, a, a average week one performance with six receptions, 42 yards, didn't play in week two against Buffalo, bounced back in week three, seven receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown, which was good for 20 points. So as long as Daniel Jones keeps throwing the ball, Look for Sterling Shepard to continue to have big weeks. Saquon Barkley out at least four to eight weeks, so they're probably going to be passing the ball a little bit more. Then looking at our Thursday night matchup between the Packers and the Eagles, the 3-0 Packers home at Lambeau Field, minus 4.5. I think the uh, the Packers are going to take it in this one and move to 4-0. I know Zook always, uh, as a Packers fan, is a little bit nervous when it comes to his team, so interested to see what you pick, Zook and what the other guys pick. I know TJ's undefeated on Thursday Night Football. Uh, the Eagles, I think, are just too banged up still, even though I love Carson Wentz. He is my QB, and uh, big fan of Zach Ertz and what they're doing in there in Philly. They have struggled so far this season, so it's going to be kind of a tough matchup. I believe they're still without Sean, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zook. You're the, 
you're the uh, smart guy in all this. I don't do any research. So give me the Packers minus four and a half in Lambeau Field. And I look forward to talking to you boys on Sunday. There you have it, guys. Some love shown to my Green Bay Packers. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. TJ getting in, getting his wine drinking on. Sheesh. Sheesh. You're going to have to rename TJ to LeBron with all, with all that wine. Uh, having a good time with Laura. Love to see it. Laura, stellar breakdown of the game. Uh, really impressive job on your part. And you made the right move going with the cheese heads. Um, I'm going to show a little faith in my team this week. I'm going to stick with my Packers to win and cover the spread. I have gone against them. I went against them the first two weeks of the season, finally hopped on and took them to cover against the Broncos, but that wasn't exactly going out on a limb. This is the first you know, time I think I'm going to take them in a, in a tough game against a good team. I'm going to take them, take them to beat Philly. I do think their offense can contain Carson Wentz. I believe maybe they had faced him once before, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be the first game the Packers will have played against the Eagles with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. I'm really trying to remember a game in which the Packers played Carson, and I can't. Uh, so I think that it's the first time. Uh, Maybe mistaken on that, but I, I believe it's the first time. So it'll be really interesting to see the game plans because these guys have never seen each other before. Mike Pettin has not seen Carson Wentz. He typically likes to go blitz heavy, but if when you blitz Carson Wentz, I think you got to be careful because he can torch you. And in addition to that, he can move and get out of the pocket and hurt you with his feet if you miss on the blitz. So I think it's a really intriguing mismatch uh, with with the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles versus the defensive side of the ball for Green Bay, but I really think the uh, the hay is going to be made for Green Bay on offense against Philly's defense. I really don't think Philly's defense is that good. If you look at the Super Bowl defense a couple of seasons ago, as compared to this one, personnel has basically all changed. Uh, Ronald Darby, I think, is going to miss another week, so they're down another corner. They just don't, I think, have enough studs on the defensive side of the ball to keep the opposition from consistently scoring points. And that's been the worry for the Packers this first couple weeks. The defense has looked great, but you hired an offensive guy, Matt LaFleur, and the offense has kind of sputtered a little bit. But I do think you have to understand they face the Bears defense, the Vikings defense, and the Broncos defense. I think that the criticism they faced in the national media has been a little bit premature and unfair. They haven't looked great, but they still did at the end of the day score 27 points on the Broncos defense. So I do think that Aaron's going to be able to put up some points. He shows up in these primetime games. Plus, you're going to have Lambeau Field just rocking uh, to welcome welcome the Philadelphia Eagles and I think the Packers will get it done. So that's my pick for Thursday Night Football. You got Nick's ad drop of the week, along with his TJ's and Big Web's picks. I'm serious. Listen to Nick on his ad drops of the week. Guy knows his shit when it comes to fantasy, man. He rarely misses. Uh, he was right, and I was wrong on that homie Cole Hardman thing. He looks like an absolute stud for, for Kansas City in lieu of the Tyreek Hill injury. So that'll do it. Uh, can't wait to watch the Packers game tomorrow night. And go pack go and we'll see you next week.